This is Shuffle, your backstage pass to Northeast Ohio's music scene. I'm Amanda Rabinowitz. This week I'm catching up with Ryan Flederick and Nolan Cavano of the Cleveland band Oregon Space Trail of Doom. During the pandemic, the band released Live at Radio Artifact and their album Time is a Mirror. You know, I guess I'm just interested to start off and talk a little bit about the band. Tell me about Oregon Space Trail of Doom. Tell um, me the background. Ryan. So Oregon Space Trail of Doom was initially this kind of whimsical concept of a band. We started off as like this acoustic duo, booked a show at this little cafe, and from there just started getting like more gig opportunities and whatnot to where we now needed a full band, you know, as opposed to just this acoustic outfit that we had been used to. So, you know, realizing our dilemma, we, we reached out to Nolan. We needed a bass player at the time. Although Nolan's a guitar player, he gleefully obliged to play bass. Okay. Um, okay. And that lasted about a month before, you know, we just realized that he needed to be on guitar. So he started playing guitar with me. I also play guitar. Yeah. And eventually we found a bass player and... Flash forward, you know, three or four years, and it's just been a wild ride. Uh, tell, tell me about both of your backgrounds. Ryan, we'll start with you. Um, so, you know, I feel like I, I've lived quite a few lives, you know. Um, <laughs> I raced dirt bikes for the first half of my life. I played sports, skateboarded, you know, kind of like lived like a subversive lifestyle, mm-hmm. you know, just a bit different than the norm. I went to a music festival when I was 19. Um, and at that time, I realized, you know, I had always been a fan of music, but I had yet to pick a, an instrument. Mm. I always like could feel the rhythm, you know, through, with my fingers. And I initially wanted to play the drums, but I was living with my mom at the time, and she was just like, no, like, you know, if you're going to live here, you're not going to play the drums. Like, you know, <laughs> so I had to figure out an instrument that would better suit me. So I picked the guitar. I eventually, like, within that year, coincidentally just moved out and finally got, like, my own place and whatnot. And that's where I really started to excel with the solitude of just, like, having, you know, nothing but my own space to play guitar in. At that time, you know, I wasn't yet 21 and I wasn't so into drinking and partying so I would supplement like you know all of that stuff with just practicing the guitar Um, and that lasted for about like probably five to six years like steady practicing Hmm. four to eight hours a day and you know it's just brought me a wealth of resources you know within the art community and uh, now I'm here today just kind of really enjoying, like, the modest success I have from playing music within Cleveland. Yeah. Nolan, what's your background? Oh, man. Oh, God. Um, so <laughs> I uh, grew up actually a few streets away from Ryan oh. um, on the west side. And my old man, Pete Cavano, he's been playing in the Cleveland scene for years. Uh, he was one of the main influences to get me going on guitar. I used to run around and skateboard with Ryan and some other cronies of ours uh (laughs) became a jock for a little bit played rugby hit my head a few times and came back to my senses after college i came home to cleveland ryan was in bands he was playing consistently and for me it was like wait a minute like my dad showed me how to do that that should be me that's my band and so i hooked up with ryan again would see him in different outfits got to know 
the Cleveland uh, music scene pretty well and just mm-hmm. the different hangs and the bohemian intellectuals, you know, yeah. just fell into a group with Tony and Ryan, which I was like, hell yeah, I'll play bass. Yeah, I'm there. <laughs> and uh, from there, as Ryan said, it's just been, you know, flash forward some years, some three, four years, and it's just been a long, strange trip long, to say the trip. list. <laughs> I'm so curious about the name of the band, Oregon Space Trail of Doom. Where does that come from? Uh, you know, for a while, I would jot down little phrases in my cell phone, you know, maybe song ideas or artistic names of any sort. And one day I just thought of the video game, The Oregon Trail. Yeah, and it's a classic. Yeah, yeah. Hence began the name. So the Space Trail of Doom part is just kind of play on words, uh-huh. I guess, you know, pretty straightforward. But certainly add added more zest to the Oregon Trail and um, just kind of stuck. It rolls off the tongue. People remember it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. So Absolutely. Tell me about the music. It's a different style. It's, it's a hodgepodge. It's a gumbo. It's a yeah. stew. There's a main dish, which you could say is rock and roll roots mm-hmm. or psychedelic rock and roll. But the flavor profile from song to song changes. It does. And within... A tune. There are labyrinths and corridors and things. Again, to defer to Ryan Flederick, who has been really the brainchild of the whole operation, I'd say he has quite a list of ingredients and spices that he pulls from, yeah. you know, colors on his palate. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think that's pretty accurate. Nolan, I'd say has just as much of a role as I do within the band, mm-hmm. um, especially now. You know, he's very motivational to work with, is always interested in playing, um, no questions asked. Uh, Really, you know, I'm very passionate about music, and therefore I'd like to surround myself with those who are passionate. And fortunately, like, I've always had Nolan, and he's kind of like the right-hand man or the salts of the pepper, you know. Um, (laughs) You know, without him, like, my ideas or, or vice versa really couldn't come to fruition as well as they have. Like I said, explained it best, you know, it's really hard to categorize our sound. Psychedelic rock, in my opinion, is fairly generic. So I like to say exploratory rock. Oh, I like that. (laughs) That's a really good description, I think, actually. Regrettably, I've never seen you live, which I don't know how that's happened. But that live aspect, I've heard from so many people that these guys are great live. Was that the reason why you wanted to do a live album? Uh, You know, it's really hard to pinpoint the exact reason. During this time in which we recorded um, said live album, we were just on a roll with content and, you know, creativity, etc. We went into the studio that day to cut a 10-minute pseudo-improvised jam, essentially. And what came came from it was a 45-minute long improvised jam, wow. which was segmented, you know, appropriately to where you could part it out, um, yeah. in which we did. You know, we have part one, part two, part three. But really, we never planned for it. You know, we never 
rehearsed for it. Uh, we had one motif, and that is at the beginning and the end. Yeah. So, you know, one to bring us into the tune and one to take us home. Wow. And th- those were our guidelines. It sounds like you two, I mean, like you said, the whole band just plays off each other so well. Yeah. I know there's kind of an alter ego here, the jazz aspect, which that started popping up for me. And I was like, that's really cool. Tell me about that. (laughs) So, you know, again, also around this time that we were just talking about, like I said, we were on a roll. We needed money because we were also trying to go on tours. We needed to get a van, et cetera. We all have backgrounds like in different types of music, in particular jazz or Americana, country, whatever. So we're like, well, you know, we could get a gig at like a cocktail lounge and just do instrumentals and make a quick buck, which then could fund Oregon Space Trail Doom. And from there, you know, it just caught on. People really started to like it. You know, those gigs pay like a little more (laughs) than the Doom gigs. So, (laughs) you know, (laughs) again, we are very passionate about the music. But at the end of the day, we still need to make some money. And and Oregon Space Trail Jazz like really came about from that motive. And now, you know, it's like we have just as big as a following for Oregon Space Trail Jazz as we do for Doom. And honestly, sometimes I prefer the jazz stuff over the Doom, you know. Yeah. What about you, Nolan? Do you enjoy that as well? Yeah. These days, there's a lot more space. Sometimes we have within the Space Trail Doom, the pedals and there's atmosphere that can be added and things. And it's generally, though we try to play to a room, electric noise and the full kit, it can be a bit raucous. So not that the jazz doesn't flirt with that side of the street either sometimes, but it lends itself to a different kind of feel. And we've been playing Doom and jazz shows for some time, but the jazz is definitely these days more the once and once a month kind of thing you have a brush with. So it feels nice to step into that alter ego and kind of strip it down a bit. so interesting that you're right. I mean, as an independent band, you've got to find a way to make this whole thing work. So I I think a lot of bands are trying to find ways to do that. With the jazz, it's aside from also the stream of income we can make, we can kind of be liquid in the sense that we can play to different rooms. So if we get booked for a gig, okay, we'll play some doom tunes, but also it might cater to do some palate cleanser kind of jazz tunes peppered in. So we can be a bit more liquid, a little bit more flexible as a group. That um, is really cool. Let's shift gears a little and talk a little bit about the pandemic. <laughs> I, know we see I the have a lot to say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what what was that whole thing like for your band? I don't really think it's – I don't think we've gained anything from it. You know, at that time – we had a big trip to South by Southwest, oh, yeah. which is the festival in Austin, Texas. Right. You know, almost like the a rite of passage for indie bands. You know, you go play South by Southwest. You just do it once at least, you know, and it feels really good. We were en route to Austin, Texas, and we were in Nashville. We just played a subpar gig, you know, at this time, Nashville, 
you know, had just been kind of toning back on their restrictions, or I'm sorry, toning down on their restrictions and whatnot. Um, So we didn't really get a crowd that night. Next day, we decided that, you know, it just wasn't worth it to go to Austin, Texas. So we had, we, we came back home. That was March 15th, I believe. On the 16th is when Governor Mike DeWine declared, you know, lockdown. We had just came in day before. It was really surreal. You know, we did follow orders in terms of isolation and whatnot. We did have one recording session, though, Mm. you know, admittedly, admittedly. And that was just between the band and my roommate at my house. So I was we were already I was already at my house. You know, everything we made sure nothing came of it. Um, we were pretty obedient aside from that specific, you know, running. But all things considered, like from the pandemic or at least from lockdown till present, we've seen formative years in the second coming of our adulthood. And what I mean by that is, you know, we've all kind of moved into new roles outside of art. And, you know, it's great in a lot of ways. Because, you know, everybody around us kind of has in some sense or some way matured a bit. Yeah. And, you know, as it's definitely not in, like as intense. And, yeah, I mean, I'm still – we're still trying. We're still trying our best. But we're definitely not as studious as we once were. Yeah. And I, I totally blame lockdown and the pandemic and, you know, restrictions and whatnot, which I understand had to happen. I've heard so many 2020 South by Southwest stories from bands, similar thing, on the way there, and then mm-hmm. the whole thing was called off. Yeah. Nolan, what are some of your th- – I mean, how do you reflect on these last couple of years? Yeah, it's felt like the longest time and the shortest time and the, like, years that were misspent in just fog. B.C., before COVID. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 2019 was a whirlwind for us as a group. I mean, we were, pl- we were gigging. There was a – day we i don't know how many gigs we played we did a triple header festival in one day just we were flying by the seat of you know yeah. our space trail pants and <laughs> i think that over the pandemic there was so much uncertainty there was so many ebbs and flows of feeling inspired but then what was to become of it and when were we able to get back to normal what is normal all that stuff and i think i'll always be nostalgic for that bc kind of feeling and mood and fire. As Ryan mentioned, going down to South By, something we had been anticipating and looking forward to, that rite of passage. And uh, to kind of have to turn back in mid-March, it's kind of that dystopian gray tone in the clouds and stuff. And it's like, you know, Mike DeWine has shut down the state of all. It's like, what the hell? Nobody has the answers. Yeah. And news streams are saying this and saying that and speculating and just very, very strange times. It's like, what would be the great struggle of like Ryan and I's generation? We're about 31, mm. right? Yeah. 9-11 was yeah. pretty traumatic, but in terms of enduring something. And so now we all get to experience something that spans multiple generations, mm. you know, and we all get to share this experience. I think it was kinder to some than others, yeah. you know, oh, coming yeah. out the other side. Absolutely.
you see the local music scene coming out of the pandemic? For a band, like you said, in 2019 was just all over the place ramping up. Where do you see things now? There's there's a plethora of a bunch of new bands that are doing a great job at just reigniting Cleveland's scene. Some some bands that, you know, I'd like to list, uh, Orifice Roth, uh, Ratterall. And then some other people, you know, who previously didn't play music are now, you know, starting to play music, like Kyle Osborne. Hmm. He has a business called Outlandish Press. He's an author. But I really give respect to those people who kind of use the pandemic to just create something and start something new, you know. Whereas in our case, you know, we had already had something created and, you know, it just delayed it a bit. But through their actions, you know, they really give me hope and honestly uh, just a really good mindset. And I appreciate them. I think Cleveland um, is regaining a trajectory, you know, in terms of like arts and culture. And uh, I'm still happy to be a part of it. So, Ellen, do you have any thoughts on where things are headed? Uh, Hopefully up. But yeah, just... I think you're going to see some people that maybe transitioned into another stage and a a new wave. There's going to be a change in sounds and how people respond to it and what the youngsters maybe picked up on from the whole COVID era and what they may mature into and develop and create in terms of the next sound as a response. What about touring? How is that looking now? With these gas prices. (laughs) Well, that's a good point. (laughs) I mean, that's a good point. Touring has been insanely problematic for most, you know, definitely the the upper echelon of more top tier bands. You know, if they take a gamble, you know, if one of their members gets COVID on tour halfway through the tour, well, they have to cancel the entire latter half. You know, Mm -hmm. if they cancel that, then they relied on that income. That's their job. You know, musicians and artists, like despite what people ordinary people may view them as, you know, they are workers too. And they're providing entertainment that helps people escape their daily lives and, you know, is a catharsis for many. It's it's just so hard and hard, difficult to comment on that aspect. Yeah. But I, I don't really know. It's definitely harder. That's for sure. Yeah. But we've only had two tours since the pandemic. They, you know, from our experience, they just didn't feel the same as, you know, like Nolan said, BC tours. Everything has changed. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me what's next for Oregon Space Trail of Doom. Basically, want to hit the shed and work on more of the creative side, the street, because we've been gigging and gigging and gigging. And you hear, you know, this and that of COVID mumblings. You hear this and that of the world even becoming more gray and dismal. Yeah. And so the creative side of the street is something that in times when we've been busy, typically it's been like, hey, we booked a window to record. Let's go do it. Okay, here's a window. And we do it. Now we want to try and maybe experiment with uh, developing some albums, album concepts, and just record singles, release stuff. So that's going to be exciting. So lots to come. Thank you guys so much. This was a great conversation, and um, I can't wait to see what you all do next. Thanks, Amanda. Yeah, thank you, Amanda. You can find links and more episodes at ideastream.org slash shuffle. Shuffle is your backstage pass to Northeast Ohio's music scene. I'm Amanda Rabinowitz. There's a rabbit living in my house.